0: Politics without the soap opera with unfiltered constitutional conservative truth. The Conservative Review with Daniel Horowitz. And welcome back, fellow American patriots and minimans standing at the ready to guard anew. Our life, liberty, property, focus on everything that matters from civilization to our own bodily autonomy, our minds, bodies, souls, property, economy, you name it. It is all on the chopping block. That's why for us here, it is all hands on deck. Back here for a brand new week, April 17th. Uh, Sorry about being out, you know, in and out a little bit last two weeks. We'll be here for the full week. Make the best of it. And there's a lot going on, but there's one major story. The purpose of the GOP is what it always was, to snatch defeat from the jaws of victory, to ensure that the left escapes annihilation, On any particular issue, or really most issues, after they go too far into territory, they can't naturally hold, in other words, the definition of a controlled opposition. Trump came along to change that. Oh, I'm going to fight this system. I'm sick of these establishment Republicans. And yet what he does, when you cut through the rhetoric, he actually delivers the forces of the right end of the Republican Party, right back into that GOP establishment. I'm obviously talking about this one success we had, one successful boycott we finally did. It's so hard to boycott major companies because they have monopolies, but Anheuser-Busch, because there's so many beer companies out there and a lot of our people drink beer, they were really hurting. So there's a coordinated effort between the RNC run by the way by rona mcdaniel supported and kept afloat by trump and don trump jr saying don't be mean there's too many gop donors at the executive level of anheuser-bush don't harm them and folks this is the core of what's wrong this is such an important story because it's all the fact that we need we will never succeed until we have a new party movement and fundraising base And this really demonstrates that. Because this was the one issue we were actually winning on, both a boycott we were winning on, but generally this was the one cultural issue that as we slide into Sodom and Gomorrah and utter degeneracy, this is the one issue we were turning the clock back on and actually doing better than we were five to seven years ago on it because because of the overreach. And right when we're about to knife them, The Republicans come along and save them. And Trump and his orbit, together with Bruce Jenner, are saving them. So we're going to talk about that a little bit later coming up. But first, we're sponsored very appropriately by Patriot Mobile today. This is yet another way you could boycott um, major woke woke companies that provide what's considered a must-need service. I wish it weren't, frankly, but uh, mobile service. Obviously, our judicial system resembles a third world banana republic. We have American companies helping the government with surveillance, helping them um, enforce political targeting. For years, big mobile companies have been dumping millions uh, into these causes, AT&T, Verizon, T-Mobile. Patriot Mobile is America's only Christian conservative wireless provider. They offer dependable nationwide coverage with, with all three major networks so you get the best possible service without having your monthly fee go towards the leftist agenda destroying the country and in fact patriot mobile supports pro-family uh, religious freedom and sanctity of life second amendment values go to patriotmobile.com com slash cr today to make the switch or call them at 878 patriot and you'll guaranteed you're guaranteed to get an american on the phone unlike any of the three that are all based in India, get free activation today with offer code CR. Again, patreonmobile.com slash CR or call 878-PATRIOT-FREE-ACTIVATION with offer code CR. So folks, Congress has been off for two weeks. They're finally back in. And they're resuming their probing agenda. Their agenda, you know, their hearings and subpoenas. Nope, it's not probing the politicized DOJ the FBI sting operations among Americans, January 6th, or COVID fascism, the two things on the agenda for hearings, probing the Pentagon leak about Ukraine and the Afghanistan withdrawal. you got to be kidding me. Afghanistan, we all agree the withdrawal was wrong, but there's, I mean, unlike... Almost every bad thing government does, does, that was one and done. So what are you going to do at this point? The reality is Republicans are upset that we pulled out of Afghanistan. They want to still be there. That's part of the problem. Um, and then the Pentagon leak, I, I, I saw Kevin McCarthy put out on Twitter, we got to, you know, what's going on with this administration that they can't control the flow of, you know, classified information? Again, you could agree or disagree that that might be a problem. But why is the bigger problem not the subject matter of that leak? That we illegally have boots on the ground without a declared war. So again, as I mentioned on Friday's show, if McCarthy were smart, he would force a debate on declaration of war against Russia. If they're really that big of a threat, you should be able to declare war. Otherwise, shut up and pull this. But again, this is where what we said about Kevin McCarthy was proven correct. Sure he'll indulge our talking points a little bit more than previous speakers. But that's just because we're on to new fights. It's the same thing, that on the fights that matter today, he's just as feckless as Boehner and Ryan, or subversive even, as Boehner and Ryan were on the fights of yesteryear. You just get confused that, you know, he'll update the language a little bit to comport more with today's talk radio talking points. But they don't do anything. And then... I wanted to get to um, the other legislation they're going to bring up. It's H.R. 734 would effectively ban transgender whatever dudes from participating in female sports programs. I guess that's funded through Title IX through the federal government. And again, it's like if you're doing that, go all the way and ban reverse. And this is, in effect, Biden's transgender bathroom mandate – through the Department of Education, extirpate from the entire federal government all the funding for trannyism, whether it's in DOE, whether it's in the Department of State, promoting it throughout the world, through our diplomatic ties. But this is part of the general premise of the GOP. That they bless the premise. They validate it. They even accentuate it but they'll just pick one isolated point that they want to disagree upon. Oh, hey, you know, you could totally make groom an entire generation to think they're women, and that's fine. Just don't go ahead and screw up female sports. Really? like, like, So so this transhumanist hell, I mean, could you think of the ramifications of brainwashing an entire generation where 20% identify as something other than normal 22% or something according to Gallup of Gen Z and they think that the only problem with that is female sports look I know I'll get hate mail but nothing personal the world could live without female sports it can't live without continuity of men acting like men women acting like women normal healthy marriages and procreation At its basic level. And all the other disruptions that result from twisting that. And contorting it upside down. But this is all they care about. It's just so bizarre. But this ties into the whole Trump business. With Bruce Jenner. Bruce Jenner was just in Mar-a-Lago. And they're promoting him. And that's part of what Don Jr. said on a podcast last week. That he has no problem... With transgenderism, it's just don't, you know, push castration on kids in the female sports. But having Bruce Jenner on Fox every day and promoted by the RNC and promoted by MAGA Inc. and Trump, what do you think that does? It doesn't just validate it, but it validates it from the right, the supposed right. That's how you get a generation of people that are like this. And that's how you get a generation and three generations of Republicans purposely tossing the fight on every winnable issue. And again, in my lifetime, every cultural issue we have lost and lost and lost and lost. This is the one issue we've done better on. There's a Pew poll out, we, we've we cited this before, comparing 2017 to 2022, five years later we gained six points on the question of the percentage of people who believe that sexuality is like, you know, set at, birth it's immutable and I know that's crazy anything short of 100% is insane but you know we gained 6 points on every other measure we're losing on any other cultural measure we're winning on this issue and Republicans are purposely sabotaging it this is what a controlled opposition does because if you didn't have any opposition naturally there's a vacuum From which would arise a real opposition. Because there's just naturally going to be so much overreach from the left. That people even who are otherwise brainwashed into some of it are like whoa this is this is crazy. And Republicans are there to tamp it down. And again. Everyone's like I'm voting Trump I'm sick of the establishment. Yet now he delivers our forces into the hands of the establishment. You have to understand when Trump supports Rona McDaniel as RNC chair and Kevin McCarthy as House GOP leader, House Speaker, and really Mitch McConnell as Senate leader when it mattered. Now, because it became personal, he opposes him. But before then, he prevented us from endorsing against him because he preemptively endorsed McConnell's reelection. There's stuff that comes along with that. That entire donor class... That entire donor class. And I want to get into that a little bit more. And then the contrast to Ron DeSantis, who will take money from anyone who's willing to, you know, feel he's a right, winning horse and I'll use it to win. And then he'll reject their proposals right away. He's like, screw it. I'm not, I'm not doing that. But anyway, today we're sponsored by Patriot Academy in six days. I look forward to meeting you at Patriot Academy's inaugural constitutional defense defensive handgun course on their own campus in Fredericksburg Texas it's next week looking forward to meeting you those who couldn't made it make it don't stress because now that they have their own campus you don't have to wait you know every four months they're gonna have it again throughout May throughout June and July um I can't tell you when I'm gonna be there next but Look, if you want to wait till your kids are off of school, bring your whole family. It's $500 for the five day course. What do you learn? You learn how to clear malfunctions. You learn how to properly draw from the holster, situational awareness, trigger and uh, controls, uh, picture alignment, sight alignment, how to win a handgun fight. When you're in a defensive situation, which increasingly is going to be the case with the anarcho-tyranny. So go over to patriotacademy.com Daniel. You find out the dates, the information. If you have any questions about the logistics of it, go to defense at patriotacademy.com. And again, really looking forward to meeting those of you who did sign up for Sunday's course next week. So this is from the Daily Beast. And it's just truly shocking. The National Republican Congressional Committee quietly deleted a fundraising page Saturday that took aim at one of its biggest donors, the parent company of Bud Light, Anheuser-Busch. Then NRCC's backpedaling follows conservative calls for a boycott of the beer um, after its promoting Dylan Mulvaney, um, who dresses up like a five-year-old girl. On Saturday morning, the powerful committee that provides support to Republican congressional cam- campaigns blasted out a tweet calling for supporters to donate to the NRCC and in exchange be given a custom drink koozie. Thanks to Dylan Mulvaney, we can all finally admit that Bud Light tastes like water. With our new koozies, you can make sure no one confuses Bud Light with real beer ever again. But shortly after it was posted around 9.30 a.m., the tweet was taken down. Later on Saturday afternoon, the corresponding fundraising page was also nixed. Um, the decision to reverse course is almost certainly to re- a reaction to the reality that the parent company behind Bud Light is a major donor to the group and comes after Don Jr. urged an end to a boycott of the conservative-leaning beer. And again, I will tell you that also comes the same weekend that Bruce Jenner was hanging out at Mar-a-Lago a a few months after they had this celebration of mandating gay marriage on the states I mean what am I supposed to do with this this is see this is something I thought we could all get around because it's not like a legal or policy action it's a boycott it's cultural everyone likes it you know and it was working and the whole point of Trump we were told is that he's wealthy he doesn't need the donors he can tell them to go to hell But time and again, we see that everything he says, the exact opposite, is true. Now, contrast this to the Financial Times just reports. Top Republican donor Thomas Petterfee is halting plans to help finance the U.S. presidential bid of Florida Governor Ron DeSantis due to his extreme positions on social issues. I have put myself on hold, the billionaire told the Financial Times, because of his stance on abortion and book banning myself and a bunch of friends are holding our powder dry. And like I told you, a bunch of these donors basically saw, basically GOP donors do not, most of them do not share our values. Now, a lot of them still, they want, for whatever reason, this is their point of access, so they want Republicans to win, not Democrats, for whatever reason, maybe it's financial. So they hold leverage over you, but you hold leverage over them because they don't want the Democrats. DeSantis understands that. So he's like, hey, buddy, you know Trump can't win. You know, now I know you guys want Nikki Haley, Mike Pence, but you guys know he ain't winning the nomination. So it's either me or a Democrat president. That's basically what I'm assuming was his pitch to these people. But now they're like, screw it, he's too extreme. I ain't doing this. And he doesn't care. He's not backing down. I want you to listen. It's a little bit long here, about a minute and a half. Clip of DeSantis Speaking at at Liberty University, take a listen to this right here.
1: To this day as governor, I've never taken a poll about any issue my entire time. Leaders are not captive to poll results. Leaders, leaders set out a vision. Leaders execute that vision and leaders deliver results. And when you do that, it doesn't matter what the polls were before that, you can change public opinion. People will support you if they see you're doing a good job. We also understood that as governor, you can make the best decisions in the world, you could have the best policies in the world, but if you don't have a cadre of people serving in your administration who shares the mission and is gonna put the mission over their own personal interests, None of this stuff's gonna end up getting carried out. So we made it very clear, anyone serving in our administration, if you're bringing any other agenda other than the best interest of the people of Florida, pack your bags right now and we will show you the door. We also said that we're not just gonna sit back and try to avoid issues or hope that issues get resolved, not want to wade into things because we're worried about creating any type of blowback. Any decision you make as a leader, there's going to be some people that like it, there's going to be other people that don't. And some elected officials think, well, if I just don't make decisions and I'm just not out and about, then fewer people are going to, are going to disapprove of some of the decisions that you make.
0: So, folks, that's pretty spectacular. I never took a poll. I lead the polls. Um, Now, there's nothing quite spectacular about the statement. Anyone could make it. It's coming from someone who was the governor of the second largest red state, which used to be a swing state, and he actually governed like this. Mission over personal interests. All of his personnel in the administration rowing in the same direction, where you don't have the leaks, you don't have the people, you know, every second you have, you know, a non-MAGA person supporting MAGA, which has become a joke. The contrast for anyone who wants to see it could never be stronger. It's not a matter of who do you want to be president. We can't wait until January 2025. We'll be dead. It's a matter of what sort of movement. Do you want a movement that will focus on substance and leverage and ignore the GOP establishment and donor base like he actually does, despite them donating to him? Or do you want the same old, the same old, packaged with a couple of flashy bow ties of Trump subverting the decorum of the system, but not only not subverting the system, but perpetuating? The system, perpetuating it. That's really the question for us here. Let me give you another example. Let me give you another example here. Tucker recently interviewed Trump and he asked him about Gavin Newsom. Take a listen to what he had to say.
1: I used to get along. Great with him. You know, when I was president, I got along really good, Gavin. Well, you got along with Gavin Newsom? I did. I really did. He was always very nice to me. He said the greatest things. He would say things like he's doing a great job. Oh, he was very nice. About you? About me. That's why I could never hit him because he was so nice to me.
0: Am I missing something? Am I missing something? Gavin Newsom said something nice about me. You know, he said nice things about me. I could never hit him back. There's two things he said in those just, you know, that 15 seconds there. Number one, and and we knew this already, he's all, everything is not about what's right or wrong, what's about, you know, what's for the mission. It's who talked nicely about him. Again, we don't have time for that garbage. But then another thing, I could never hit him. And you find that. So if you have a hardcore, like, populist conservative, but didn't kiss up to Trump, he'll trash him. But if you have the biggest rhino globalist neocon Lindsey Graham type, well, he said nice things about me, so I can't fight him. That is very destructive to our agenda and what needs to get done to interpose against this Fourth Reich. That is a very big problem. And again, this is not speculation headed forward to what a hypothetical Trump administration would look like. We live through this. And let me give you a great example of this. Trump gave a speech at the NRA convention of the weekend or Friday, and I almost fell on my seat. He promised to enact concealed carry reciprocity across the states. I was like, USOB! You are president. So what happened was Republicans had the trifecta and they did nothing with it. It was the most squandered trifecta in the history of America, where one party had the House, Senate, and White House and did as little with it. And actually all the budget bills were more Democrat than Republican. But the one issue that Republicans rally around is what? Guns. Okay, even though squishy Republicans, the terrible Republicans, the subversive control opposition ones, they're good on guns. Almost to a point where I've been saying it's like the gun issue itself is almost becoming subversive because it allows all these guys that are killing us and the issues that matter more to say, oh, I'm pro-gun when we already won on that issue. So we thought that the one issue we would get is reciprocity. And indeed, they had a bill to do just that. But the problem is they did it in a funny way that passed the House. In 2018, we had Thomas Massey, who's the chairman of the Second Amendment Caucus, on the show. And he broke the news that there was a problem with the bill. And he said the way they're doing it, they're going to hold it in the Senate. And they're going to wait until the next shooting... When everyone cries for action, do something, do something, the next mass shooting, they're going to strip it of the reciprocity, and they're going to put red flag laws into place. And like a prophet, that's literally what happened, meaning this is where Massey was as on target as he was with COVID, and we got, it was called Fix Nicks. And, And it's not even so much the guns, it's the surveillance state at a time when when we're dealing with doj and the fbi it gave the fbi so much authority to to red flag people and of course we didn't get reciprocity we got negative people forget even on that issue trump passed the only gun control measure around passed nothing supportive of it and then executively did a couple of things including banning bump stocks which was which was completely illegal And he has the nerve to get up there and talk as if he was never president. And obviously, you've seen all these clips around where Trump's like, take the guns first, due process later. And again, I want to say something very clear. I don't think Trump is a fraud in the traditional sense that he's laughing, ha, 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 I'm going to take their guns. I think he likes guns. It's worse than that. It's when the big moments come. You listen to the maturity of DeSantis. He knows the issue. He understands the process. He understands the budget bills. There's a whole clip, I'm not going to play, it, it's like four minutes long, of him talking to Morton Blackwell at the Leadership Institute about how to use, how to pass appropriation bills one by one, use them as leverage. He understands that type of stuff. And he understands how to use leverage, use power, use the bully pulpit, stay on message, stay disciplined, have all of his supporters on message, all of his staff on message. Trump's totality of universe is confined to the circumstances in front of him at the moment. So he is pro-gun, just like I think generally he wants to get tougher on crime. But when you have this panic, oh my gosh, Kim Kardashian, everyone wants to do criminal justice. Oh, okay, okay, I'm going to excel at criminal justice reform. Everyone wants to do pandemic. Oh, I'm, I'm going to pass $2 trillion. I'll give you more ventilators. I'll do a warp speed, whatever you want. I'll do lockdowns that save millions of people. You have a mass shooting. Rather than powering through it and demonstrating that, no, it's not the guns, it's the gun felons. And yet at that same time, fun fact, the same day of the Parkland shooting was when the Republicans in control of the Senate Judiciary Committee, they had the majority, passed the forerunner of the First Step Act out of committee which back then actually let out the federal gun fel- felons, which are really bad. Those are all your gangbangers, MS 13 types, people destroying the streets of Chicago. He could have jujitsu that hey, Democrats, you want gun control? Mandatory minimums on violent felons caught again with illegally possessing a firearm. Boom, mandatory 10 years and I called for it at the time. Instead, he panicked because he doesn't understand the issue. So he's like, yeah, all these people get guns. We, we, we red flag laws. He panicked. He dropped the reciprocity and went for what was called the fix Nix, which gave the FBI more money and surveillance authority and other agencies as well over us. And that is being used, will be used against us. Am I supposed to ignore all of this? Really, am I supposed to ignore all of this? So That's why, yeah, we're going to spend some time on all of this today to discuss where we are, the state of play with Trump. But more you know, than others typically do, oh, I like this candidate versus that candidate. But the vision of what we need to do and how he actually gets in our way and enables the other side. First, I just want to point out those of you who have not seen Steve Dace's nefarious movie based off of his book, Nefarious Plot. First of all, you can get the book. It's um, trending again on Amazon, his bestseller. Get your tickets now at whoisnefarious.com, whoisnefarious.com. Basically, you know, not to give it away, starts off with a psychiatrist who's called to a prison to meet with a convicted killer who's about to get executed. The killer says he's a demon named Nefarious, and the psychiatrist doesn't believe it, doesn't believe it. He pretends otherwise. He doesn't believe in God. You know, good inclinations, evil inclinations. And he gets a rude awakening. So I'll leave it at that. And it really is a good, almost a good parable, a good allegory for the time we live in that people don't want to believe our government would do certain things. It's a coincidence. That's actually a line in the movie. Oh, it's just a coincidence. I think we're all learning that a lot of the events that have occurred, let's just say, Kennedy assassination onward, are a lot more than just a coincidence. And it really colors the way we view our government. It colors the way we should concoct a vision and a strategy and what we need to do to evacuate ourselves from that albatross around our necks, our life, our liberty, our property, our way of life. But anyway, this is the time to show that that real conservative movies could actually have staying power because this is this is something if this succeeds this is something hopefully we can do again what if we made a movie a you know based off of covid fascism really understanding what the government does it would be great if this succeeds if we show there's an appetite for it so again whoisnefarious.com is uh where to get your tickets so anyway i was gonna have pedron today um, a special guest, but we'll have to get him on a little later. There's a scheduling conflict, so we'll just continue this discussion. The The, the problem is when you have a man that fills the vacuum of, of this supposed conservative populism, but in fact delivers us into the hands of the donor class, of the globalists, of the uniparty more than ever before, it leaves us in the worst state of affairs because the left is... Activated as if they got their guy, or we have our guy in, but in fact, they have a guy in that's accomplishing for them more than anyone else could. Another area you see this with is the Federal Reserve and monetary policy. Everyone knows Trump was obsessed with both fiscal and monetary so-called stimulus printing money. And it flied in the face of his so-called agenda of the forgotten American. I have charts out today detailing this. You look at the Federal Reserve charts for and this is just one of many measures of how crazy things got from COVID, the transfer of wealth. For years we were told by the left that, oh, it was income inequality is terrible. And really really, there's always gonna be inherent inequality in terms of people's um you know, talents. Effort, luck, all sorts of things. That comes from natural law, from God, from divine providence. But what you don't want ever is income inequality resulting from government. From government. Because that is not natural. That's immoral. And I wanted to capture just exactly how much that wealth was transferred. See, they're they're like, oh, there's inherent inequality, so we need to redistribute from the wealthy to the poor. That was the old liberal line. Now, they use the boot of government to redistribute primarily from the middle-to-middle-upper-income small business owners, the crust of what really held the backbone of the American economy, to the uber-wealthy, and then use some of that to dole out the bottom- Income earners to be dependent on government. That's what communism is. is. You take the masses, make them dependent on government, rot out that kind of like self-dependent, middle, upper middle income, small business owners and then of course all to benefit the big guys. And nowhere is this more evident than with the Federal Reserve policies. The policies of endless printing money, buying mortgage-backed securities and Unnaturally low interest rates created inflation, harmed consumers and savers, but did benefit the people at the top. So the top 1%, if you want to look at the share of total assets in the country by um, wealth percentiles, you know, the top wealthiest 1%, what percentage of assets in the country did they own? The top 1% just in a year from, you know, that 2020 COVID lockdown fiscal and monetary policies. Top 1% own nearly 30% of all assets in the country. Now, again, I don't inherently have a problem with that if that was natural. But the fact is that their share of the pie jumped more than 10% in just one year due to those policies. Okay, 10% their share of the pie grew. Now, what I did is I looked at something interesting. I looked at, okay, what about the 50 to 90% bracket? Middle, middle, upper income. Okay, over that, it's remarkable. Over that same period, the COVID year 2020, while well, the top 1% increased their share of the pie by 10%, the middle and upper middle income classes decreased their share by 7%, and that's, again, that's a lot for such a period of, a short period of time. The share of the assets from the top 1% holds roughly, you know, what they hold is roughly on par with what all individuals from 50 to 90 hold. I forget how many millions of people that is, a lot more people. They might think, well, Daniel, that's how it is, the top 1%. have." No, that's not how it was. Prior To the Federal Reserve and Congress's money printing schemes. Really beginning during the Bush era. The upper middle class. Again I'm defining that by 50 to 90. Accounted for almost twice the assets. Of the top 1%. Now it's on par. And obviously that's exemplified. Through the 10,000 businesses that permanently went under. While that was all transferred to the masters of the universe. Then you look at the lower income, the bottom 50. Their share of the pie skyrocketed by 20%. Obviously, that was all... So it's interesting is actually if you look, they first took a hit. The first, mm, first quarter, really, really in 2020. It wasn't until 2021 when the s- stimulus checks kicked in. So they took a hit too. They were crushed too. But then... The way they prevent mass rebellion is you make the masses happy. So that was the you know, the stimulus. And there we are today. M1, that's a measure of all the money in circulation. That, that if you want to know how much money is out there, M1, it's called. Within one year it won from four trillion to nineteen trillion. That's it right there. Everyone's talking about inflation. Republicans ran on it and now, you know, doing nothing about it. That is why we have it in a nutshell. Yes, Biden continued those policies. But who initiated them? Who cheered it on? Doesn't take a genius to understand why $100 pre-COVID in 2020. 2020 is now worth 86 bucks today. That's insane. 2020, pre-COVID. Usually you have to go back 20 to 30 years to get a spread like that. $100 in 2020 is worth $86 today. If you go on to to the government CPI calculator, you could literally see that. The purchasing power of a dollar is now down nearly 40% of what it was a generation ago. How's that for income inequality? All that money printing that benefited the wealthy and well-connected it was worth the inflationary effects for them, because their income compensated for it. Not the rest of us. I literally find now I have to transfer from my savings account. It's not enough. The same lifestyle is, you know, is not an the the income is not enough. People less fortunate than I am. Ironically, Trump keeps a bust or kept a bust of. Andrew Jackson as his hero in the Oval Office when he was president. He wrote in his 1832 veto message of the central bank. It is to be regretted that the rich and powerful too often bend the acts of government to their selfish, selfish purposes. Distinctions in society will always exist under every just government. Equality of talents of education or of wealth cannot be produced by human institutions, right? So he wasn't arguing the Bernie Sanders line, in the full enjoyment of the gifts of heaven and the fruits of a superior industry, economy, and virtue, every man is equally entitled to protection by law. But when the law undertake to add to these natural and just advantages, artificial distinctions, to grant titles, gratuities, and exclusive privileges to make the rich richer and the potent more powerful, the humble members of society, the farmers, mechanics, and laborers who have neither the time nor the means of securing like favors to themselves have a right to complain of the injustice of their government. There are no necessary evils in government. Its evil exists only in its abuses. Again, I must ask, who was president at the time? And it's not just that he was president. He pushed it. So, uh, you know, a couple weeks ago, um, Trump noted that, where is this? He said he would not have bailed out Silicon Valley Bank But he said he would have lowered interest rates. And he criticized Jerome Powell for raising the interest rates too fast, too much. But that's a cop-out. Yes, we all agree once you hook the economy on the monetary morphine that profoundly at zero interest rates and print that much money for that long and then you choke off the supply and raise interest rates at that fast then you create bank solvency problems but the underlying problem is during trump's era and preceding him as well but he took it to the next level obsessing about loose money policies all to juice up the stock market and the banks and the gop special interest that's what created the inflation that they felt a need to then raise it to curve it now you could argue that you know the raising the interest rates didn't really curve it that much and it's not worth it um, but, but screw it. Don't tell me you're a populist. That's what's so ironic about the man. This is from Politico. Um, where is this? And I go, I know people will say, well, Daniel, this is the liberal media, but it, but it's not the liberal media. This was true. This was September 18, 2019, so before COVID. So this is not even like, we all know Trump has this issue where he panics. Oh my gosh, the stock market's going to crash. Let's, let's just print money. And that's what he did. He, that, that's the opposite of a statesman. Just like he panics when you have these shootings with gun control and red flag laws. He panics when there's this clamor for criminal justice to form, for this fad, for the DREAM Act. He's the opposite of what you think. But anyway, from Politico, President Donald Trump has taken over Jerome Powell's life. The Federal Reserve's expected expect decision on Wednesday to cut interest rates again will spark new questions about whether Powell is chairman is caving to intense pressure by Trump. Um, Trump is forcing still more dramatic policy options into the limelight, including his latest call on the Fed to cut rates below zero, an idea that the central bank has long resisted as an avenue for fighting recessions. Trump was pushing negative interest rates because all Trump understands, and it's very much in line with Trump's juvenile, sophomoric, puerile, childish way of thinking just whatever is in front of him. Oh, set, juice it up. Prime the pump. Just just print the money. You know, that's what the, the, the... He defined everything literally by the stock market, how it did that day. But that's what created this long-term death trap of the dependency upon loose money and out-of-control inflation, which is harming the common man. This is literally what he ran against but what he's most susceptible to getting roped into. So I mean he is totally wrong on the Federal Reserve. Trump for his part, you know, he wants to uh you know, obviously there's been a reawakening on our side to uh to 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 abolish the Fed or at least again get rid of its dual mandate. Trump was the most aggressive proponent of using the Federal Reserve to socially engineer the business cycle, all for political reasons. And look, I'd be remiss if I didn't point this out as well. When you look at Pfizer and everything and Trump in the back pocket of the big pharmaceuticals from from the Washington Post – Trump details business holdings and belated financial disclosure. He filed his financial disclosures um, because Trump's a candidate for president again. The 100-page filing enumerates the former president's management positions at a pair of businesses involved in marketing digital trading cards of him and promoting his speaking engagements. So you have that. But then... It turns out that he has major holdings, stocks owned in Pfizer as well as Johnson & Johnson. Now, you could say, well, yeah, you know, everyone's going to have pharmaceuticals. It's the biggest, whether you like it or not, the biggest company, so we all probably have holdings in it. But it makes you wonder why he spoke so nicely of the CEO of J&J and he's sinking his teeth into warp speed more than even the Democrats are. It's just really, really disturbing. At some point, facts have to matter. Again, saddling up to the tranny movement, to Bruce Jenner, homosexual marriage, jailbreak, dream act, COVID fascism, the Federal Reserve and and, and and it wasn't loose enough for him and pro big business and, and Wall Street for him, one after another and guns, but it all has the same hallmark. It's not even so much that he's contradictory or closet leftist. you know I was like, oh well, he was a lifelong Democrat. I don't even think that's the point. I think genuinely on a lot of issues, if you ask him, he's changed his mind or, or, you know, he was always a little bit more of a populist Democrat, whatever it is. It's that he cannot withstand pressure. Meaning if it's about decorum, you need to apologize for saying mean things. Oh, he won't apologize. He'll stand his ground on that. But if it's about policy and the system itself, he is too scared to undo the system. He is too scared. That's the reality. And you know what? Maybe maybe I will play this here. This clip of DeSantis with Morton Blackwell at the Leadership Institute. Understanding the leverage of what needs to be done. We're going to talk about this later this week more with the debt ceiling and the budget and where the leverage is. Take a listen to DeSantis right here.
1: Uh, it, It starts with your... The reform seems to me to dwell on the Congress first. What should Congress do different? Well, look, I mean, I think – so I was, a, I was a U.S. congressman for three terms. I've recovered from that experience. Don't worry. <laughs> but what happens is, is you have a government that's on autopilot. So they will either do massive omnibus spending bills – which nobody really reads or has any idea what's in it, or they will do what's called continuing resolutions, which just keeps the government going, uh, whatever the previous year's levels of appropriations were. The problem with that is that, that they're never using that number one constitutional power they have, the power of the purse, to rein in these administrative agencies. And so you have something like DOJ and FBI. Well, if you never hold them accountable... Through the legislative process, either through through law or through, through budget, of course power is going to accumulate there. You've also had kind of a trope that a lot of Republican presidents have accepted over the years that DOJ and FBI are, quote, independent uh, of the White House. And first of all, these people have guns. They can put you in jail. Saying they're independent means they're unaccountable. No, they are executive branch agencies that report to the elected president of the United States and uh, an executive elected executive absolutely has to use article 2 power uh, to hold those agencies accountable so i think you've had Uh, An executive branch that's not wanted to do anything to reel them in by holding them accountable and getting involved in what they're doing. Uh, And then I think you've had a Congress, uh, which is just totally given up on using the purse strings. And it's almost like these agencies just have a right to operate infinitum. When you send that signal over many decades, it's just human nature. They are going to abuse their power. I mean, the founders would have predicted that in a New York minute. So I think that a lot of this is an abdication of Congress. If you're scared of a, quote, government shutdown above all else because you're worried about some bad news cycles, just understand you're putting that, I would say, very small political impulse ahead of doing your duty to, to ensure that our apparatus is constitutionally accountable. I'd rather have the fight. Uh, to try to discipline the agencies and let the chips fall where they may than just allow the status quo to continue in the direction that it has gone in.
0: So, folks, that's the opposite. This is a man who has a maturity understanding the long game. This is what 4D chess is, not just the checkers in front of you. Understanding the process, the policy. And he has said this a bunch of times. I want to see how I could use my leverage. You know, I'm going to demand bills be passed one by one. He's going to use the veto pen. This was another bizarre thing. I don't know if you guys remember in, um, throughout his presidency, I was writing all these articles on the history of the veto. Mr. President, make the veto pen great again. You could actually find a column of mine with that title. Like, come on, use it, use it. It was the most bizarre thing. This is a man who made his name, his fame, and really cemented his appeal with the base upon this notion that he was going to not just burn it down, but you're fired. And he wouldn't fire anyone. He was scared to fire anyone. And he wouldn't veto any bill. It was like, it wasn't until the final months of his presidency that he even vetoed a few bills. And that was even when you know Democrats already out of control, but when the GOP establishment, the 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 Ryan McConnell era, I could say this with certitude: he did not veto a single, not one bill, not just a budget bill, but any bill of any sort. This this is a big. This is a big problem when I'm trying to present you. This is a. You know, this is not just a tit-for-tat, oh, you're guys a jerk, you guys... A-. And by the way, it's so funny. You have these voices out there, I forgot where I saw it. Some of these voices, they're like, you know, it's not very helpful to our cause, all this sniping of DeSantis and Trump people, we need to just unite and fight. Dude, it's all one-sided. If If, if what bothers you is a lack of unity and intra-movement fighting then why aren't you criticizing the man causing it? There's only one man dehumanizing the other with disgusting personal attacks every day. The most DeSantis has done is like, okay, so one's saying you're fat and you're a meatball, right, and you're a pedophile, and the other one's saying, uh, I would have fired Fauci. I, I had more discipline in my administration. That's kind of like the extent of his attack, if you want to call it that. One's contrasting. We're we're talking about the exact style, process, and policies that are needed for what we're up against and how Trump failed us. We're contrasting records and another one is with personal attacks or just extremely dishonest things. Notice what I'm doing. I don't blame Trump for things like, okay, he didn't deliver the moon when he was president. Things that aren't achievable. I'm not even talking about things that he didn't get done. I'm talking about negative things that he actively passed that were new you know we could debate the level of what you know when you're present you could roll back but certainly the expectation is that you're not going to add new bad stuff but that's what he did and that's the thing we can't we got to move on from him he is the most destructive thing to our cause if you believe in the tenor and the messaging of what Trump ran on in 2016, he is the biggest threat to fulfilling that. That is the reality. And again, no one man, including DeSantis alone, is the antidote to that. But it's if DeSantis is willing to run on our broader movement of what Congress, the House Republicans, can do now. Now we're going to talk about that with how to leverage the the appropriation bills, the debt ceiling reauthorization bills, as well as another big thing, things expiring like FISA, like the pandemic bill. Um, that's what, you know, we're going to talk about. And obviously what the governors and state legislatures and Republican control should be pressured to do. That is where it's at. Substance, substance and truth will set you free. Let me know what you think. Daniel Hurwitz at startmail.com. We have a lot more coming, some guests coming up this week. Let me know who you want as a guest as well. Um, We're, you know, interested in a diverse array of ideas, but not a diverse array of values. This is not a debating society. And like I tell you, I don't give the other side equal time. You have plenty of time. We are the equal time. Um, I don't have establishment people on. And I hate to say it, but Trump is making the establishment great again. Till next time, God bless y'all. Thank you for listening.